there and welcome to the Secrets of Organ Playing podcast. I'm your host, Vidas Pinkavichus. Today's guest is Glenn Tompkins, an artist from Mesa, Arizona, who has always been fascinated by sound, textures, color, and atmosphere. Early in his life, he started uh, to love music, uh, having been drawn to such art by listening to his grandfather play the violin, harmonica, piano, organ, and mandolin. His uncle Walter gave him his 1930s Honor accordion, which stimulated a lifelong fascination with the study of instrumental music. In the 1950s, his father provided for him to start uh, music lessons uh, at an accordion school in Bound Brook, New Jersey. From 1960 to 1965, he attended Middlesex High School and then went on to Druny University at Madison, New Jersey from 1965 through 1970. At Drew, he initially wanted to major in English, but subsequently decided to change his major to art. Uh, somewhere around the uh, vicinity of the year 2000, some friends of his uh, gave him a beautiful vintage Scandali accordion, fourth reed instrument, uh, and uh, the Scandali rekindled his abiding interest in acoustical music, allowing him to experiment with all sorts of tonal blends from those beautiful Italian reeds. And uh, Glenn joined uh, YouTube uh, in 2009 and started making music videos to share with the worldwide community under the channel name From Holberg's Time. And previously, uh, he had not realized the potential for making new friends through the sharing of music, but quickly he could see the value of this imaginative and extensive network of musicians, fans, and music lovers. This chapter of his life has provided exceeding joy as he has rediscovered the positive attributes of folk music, traditional hymns, contemporary praise and worship, improvisation, classical music, gospel tunes, and popular melodies. We have connected uh, through my postings and videos uh, where Glenn frequently adds feedbacks and comments of various sorts, and uh, he uh, reads my blog and I read his blog, uh, which you can find at uh, funfairsandreveries.com. And uh, in this conversation, Glenn and I talk about the poetry of organ music, what uh, is uh, important to any person, which is, of course, the value of any kind of creative endeavors, any kind of creation in any field. And I hope you will find uh, so much inspiration from this conversation because Glenn is a really practicing artist. Uh, he does not only create his art and uh, leaves it locked in his drawer, but he lets it out. He shares it with the world. He opens himself and is vulnerable to any kind of feedback and um, he firmly believes that uh, in order to be alive to feel alive you have to create so let's go to the show and let's find out all there is to know about Glenn and his art and work and how it relates to the organ world and organ music 
So, Glenn, I'm so delighted to finally uh, talk to you uh, in person. After all these uh, years, we've been friends online and uh, communicated uh, via uh, emails and comments. And I know uh, I read your blog, and uh, it's it's such a tremendous inspiration for people to read your your insights and. Uh, I just, uh, I just feel that you are such a gift for for people in your community, and uh, not only in Arizona but globally too. Uh, so thank you so much for your time and uh, effort and insights that I'm sure will be provided today. Thank you and uh, welcome to the show. I'm very honored to be your guest, and uh, I just appreciate everything that you're doing in music and arts and culture, Vitas. You have always been a great influence, I think, and uh, I appreciate so much what you offer to your readers and to your listeners. Great, uh, great in- inspiration I receive from you also. Whenever I post a video or an article, or uh, or or a podcast right in these series i i feel such a uh, you know anticipation that somewhere out uh, in in arizona glenn is going to notice my work and uh, and probably will read or listen or or watch and uh, he will have uh, you know a comment or a, or a feedback i will get a feedback from him which is very valuable so thanks so much for doing this it's it's tremendous it's tremendous support that you are actually giving me because uh, let's face it not too many people do that uh, you know from from the uh, my my main group of readers only small portion of of people really um, get uh, do do feedback and um, uh, comment but you are con- so consistent on your generosity of spreading this you know uh, paying it forward basically and uh, i hope uh, our listeners uh, already noticed you and your um, you know inspiring poetic very poetic comments that you give so we will talk about poetry in organ music uh, t- today also but for starters um, i always uh, like to ask uh, people how did they uh, fell in love with the organ can you share uh, this story with us uh, glenn yes originally as a little boy we had an electronic organ in the church which is of course as you know not quite as good as pipe organ but on radio broadcasts and through long playing uh, records i listened to the true sound of pipe organ. For example, Marcel Dupre came to visit New York City, I think around 1957 or 58, and he recorded a whole series of uh, classical pieces on pipe organ. I think it was St. Thomas Church in New York City, and they broadcast some of these recordings over the radio. When I heard these recordings and when I became more familiar with the sound of the pipe organ, I was just transfixed. I had never heard a single instrument that had that kind of complexity and that kind of range. So when people use the appellation king of instruments, they are certainly speaking the truth. There isn't anything else, in my opinion, that can compare to the sound of the pipe organ. So my earliest experiences probably were through recording and uh, radio broadcast. 
And uh, then eventually I did, when I went to college, we went to uh, Cathedral of St. John the Divine in uh, New York City, and I did get to hear um, a very large pipe organ in person, which of course solidified my already great interest in the sound and the complexity of the pipe organ. I'm so amazed that so many people really are uh, inspired by the complexity, as you say, and uh, that's really so true, right? Because uh, when when they they see the inside of that instrument, uh, I don't know if you really saw or just they heard the recording, but the, probably the recording was was magnificent enough. But if if people um, at the young age really get a glimpse on the mechanics of the organ, get inside how the bellows work and and uh, see the pipe work that's usually something that will they will never really forget right um, in mo- in many in many cases and uh, that might lead to to really a car- career in organ too so i was i'm so glad that someone someone mm, introduced you to these recordings at at a young age and uh, and uh, here we are, right? Uh, after all these decades, you're still in love with the organ. C- can you? T- I still do. Right. So, uh, Glenn, can you tell us why? Why the organ is so fascinating to you after all these decades, after all these uh, years? It, what What are you finding in this instrument today? Well, this is, of course, a very good question. I. I think it, there's a mystery about the sound of the pipe organ. There is, uh, you've used the word poetry. I think that perhaps the pipe organ is the most poetic of all instruments, although there are many partisans who would say maybe violin or harp or um, maybe even harmonica, some people would say is a poetic instrument. To me, it's like there is no limit in the sounds and the textures in the um, different manners in which you can present music on the pipe organ. And in your blogs, of course, you always point this out, too. When you talk about um, modal plan and you talk about uh, changing the textures or changing the pace or the tempo, I have found myself that when I go too long on a piece and I don't change the texture, it becomes either boring or uninteresting and... I think maybe the listeners, as well as um, my own conscience, seems to to lose sight of the end. But I like the fact that the organ has so many possibilities, from soft to uh, forte and uh, everything in between. It seems like you can tell stories. You can uh, also just do an abstract piece. It can be sound for sound's sake. It can be music for art's sake. It seems to me that there is no combination that is impossible to find or to pursue. So in this sense, it's it's like even when Ausra mentioned in one of your um, dual presentations uh, in the video that it's like the organ is a person. And I like her assertion because it seems to me if you can see the human touch in an instrument then you gravitate gravitate toward understanding it. It would be the same, let's say, with a violinist who cherishes his Stradivarius or other instrument, and he becomes one with it. I think it's the same with the organist. As we become more associated with the instrument, 
we we become like an extension. The keyboard is an extension of our hands, extension of the heart, extension of the mind. And I see it as like a a path. It's a path for expression. It's a path for productivity, for imagination. Um, you have mentioned many times the idea of pipe organ encounters where you get children interested. You invite them to the church. You set everything up. And then they can come and see that you have enthusiasm for the instrument. And they can see that it has a wide range of uh, voices to share and uh, tempi to share and so on. You mentioned that um, an organ is like like a person, right? Uh, this idea. And uh, I remember now that there is exactly a, 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 a stop called uh, Vox Humana on, on many organs, right? Vox Humana, human yes. voice, which imitates a uh, human voice and specifically a choir, basically, a choir. So uh, when we th- think about symbolic uh, m- uh, meaning of that uh, particular stop, uh, it comes to my mind that each pipe is like a person, right, uh, in a choir. And uh, yes. o- together, uh, all these pipes make wonderful harmony, right? And like in a choir, each person uh, doesn't, uh, doesn't have to stand out or uh, sing like in a solo, uh, solo uh, range, but mostly they try to fit in and blend together to make uh, more harmonious sounds. So don't you think this idea also relates to to the idea of uh, organ as a person? Yes, I, I heartily agree. I think that there are dimensions of humanity in the pipe organ, and it only takes a sensitive person, either in the audience or the performer himself or herself, to elicit that humanity. It's like when you are a good listener, you have a sensitivity to touch and to harmonics and to the style that you present. And I think all great artists or all sensitive artists are very attuned to that. It's like they can see that the instrument has a personality. As you've gone around with Ausra to uh, Latvia and Lithuania in your travels as you play different organs and so on, I think also you were in France, maybe it was the Church of the Madeleine where you played a beautiful, beautiful piece. And uh, I think as you get to know the character of each instrument, you can draw and elicit from that instrument the best sounds, the best voices. But again, it, it takes a kind of sensitivity because you're not going in saying, you know, I don't care uh, about the uh, particular properties of this instrument. I'm going to do what I want to do. A really sensitive artist will, will say, let me see what the instrument is capable of doing and let's see if I can combine my improvisation with the capabilities of the instrument to underscore the particular qualities of that particular organ. Mm-hmm. You're right, Glenn. Uh, whenever I play a new organ, uh, I try, uh, I try to not not to play a repertoire on it right away. I try to explore different sounds, different possibilities that can this can this particular instrument can achieve and. Uh, and uh, usually, even in the ugliest instrument that that you can find in many um, uh, places um, in my country, for example, really there are very ugly instruments that that no one really wants to play. But even in those uh, places, there is at least one beautiful stop. Usually, four foot flu- flute. 
Yes. So, so it's possible to play many beautiful melodies and harmonies on that four-foot flute too. So uh, you're right that p- people have to be sensitive, right? And uh, do you think that uh, this sensitivity is in uh, sort of uh, uh, given, or uh, or is it uh, acquired like a skill? It's an excellent question. I think that probably there will always be a debate or discussion over this issue. They used to say it's nature versus nurture. Mm-hmm. I think that's probably a little bit of, of both, a little bit of each. Because in a sense, um, if you have a musical mother or a musical father or, or let's say an artistic mother or an artistic father or maybe artistic s- siblings or uh, musical siblings, that some of this will brush off on you. And as you have good um, educational system that maybe you have a teacher that inspires you or encourages you, you will, um, you will do more or less what your teacher expects of you. And so you may rise to the occasion. On the other hand, I think maybe there is some generational influence from uh, the family or from your ancestry that if there is music in and has been in your family for generations, probably you will pick up some of those genes and some of those characteristics in your personality. It, of course, it, it's you could make a case for either one, but I think maybe there's just some truth in both being uh, alive and uh, certainly areas of potential um, uh, um, artistic development. Mm-hmm. You're right, Glenn. Uh, it's both, like uh, given and uh, uh, and acquired, like a skill. Have you met actually anyone uh, who 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 maybe has uh, some artistic background in their family, but who is not really uh, uh, interested in art or music uh, or specifically organ music? I don't know if I can say that there's any particular example, but in my walks of life, I have found people who strangely don't have a curiosity about art or music. And that puzzles me because to me it seems that each of us, um, we, we all have the opportunity to express ourselves. Um, I did read a book one time that spoke about this idea of uh, art and, and creativity maybe being um, a potential part of all of our lives. For example, the person, the author of the book said, when anyone says to her that they are not an artist or that they are not a musician, she says, well, what about um, two things? What about your apartment where you live or your home where you live? Do you have a painting on the wall or do you have artwork or a photograph? Do you have a specific style of draperies or curtains on uh, the windows and on the, the walls of your home? And she says that's part of design. In order to do any sort of design, you must uh, express yourself. The other subject, she says, well, when you get up in the morning, don't you decide what colors you will wear, what style of clothing you will wear, what type of shoe, what type of hat, and so on. And she says, well, that's part of being a designer, or that's uh, essentially part of being creative or artistic. And I think that's that's a way to disarm the idea that some people have that they are not artistic or that they are not musicianly. In a sense, we all have the possibility to express ourselves. Another way might be to say there are artists and there are potential artists. There are musicians and there are potential musicians. Sometimes people need to be led into the stream 
And once they acquire the habit of, as you say, you know, the practice daily as your blogs stress, then maybe there becomes a lifelong love of music or a lifelong love of art, as in the paintings of your father. I'm, I've often thought that there's a wonderful relationship between you and your father. What your father has done in paintings, you are doing in music by describing the world that you see and that you touch many people through this art, just as your father has touched many people through his paintings. So I like the voices that you use. You know, the, there are areas in which you know, a person will choose what seems natural to them. And I think perhaps that's what makes the best artist or the best musician when you're doing things that come naturally to you. Uh, thank you so much, Glenn, for this piece of insight. And I think you are an artist too. Uh, you share your artwork uh, online very regularly, either uh, from early years or uh, composed or created recently. It's um, it's so inspiring to see that you also have tried to notice things in the world, right, and try to. Uh, uh, c- recreated in your in your uh, drawings and your uh, ink uh, works. Uh, uh, it's uh, can you tell us a little bit uh, uh, the uh, the inspiration behind your drawings and your artwork? Yes, this is a very good question. Thank you, Vitas. I think that in a way, um, artists and musicians have a responsibility to show their response to life. Mm. If life is a gift, what do we give back? In the terms of a musician, maybe it's the idea that we, we want to show the richness of the canon, the richness of all the different varieties of uh, romantic music and Baroque music and contemporary music and so on and so forth. Um, in art, maybe it's the idea that we, uh, we want to show others that... Um, we have a platform of expression which extends to the nth degree. Um, there can be small dreams, there can be large dreams. And when we, um, for example, in pen and ink, which I, I admire your pen and ink drawings, Vitas, because these are like a counterpart to what you're doing with the organ and also with your blogging and your writing. They, they show a descriptive line. Remember, uh, I, I remember people have... Uh, music critics have discussed the music of Jean Sibelius, his wonderful, wonderful symphonies. And someone once said, you know, that, oh, you like the long line, you know, that in Sibelius you follow his music. I think that maybe in art it's the same, that we find lines, we find lines that express not only our response to life, but maybe characterize the response of other people's response to life or describe their response to life so there is like a sharing and there's like an opening up of um, maybe things that would be ordinarily hidden or would be silent we we know that a musician brings to fore those things which would not be improvised or hidden by uh, getting involved in a recital or simply playing maybe at home alone And then with an artist, it's similar in the idea that when you start, you start with a blank page. And then once you start, it's like ideas explode and you see relationships on the, on the page that you're working on or on the canvas 
or on the drawing board, you see how things come together. And then it's like you sense there is a, um, a guiding direction to how all these textures and lines and rhythms and colors come together, especially if you're working in color. Sometimes it's fun to work in black and white, the monochromatic tones, but it's also uniquely expressive to work in color. And then you can use all the different shadings. You're right, Glenn. Uh, you mentioned my drawings. I can tell you uh, how they originated. Basically, um, they originate as, as ideas for um, for the blog post that I write, basically. Uh, whenever, on a good day, for example, I I... I think a lot about about um, music, organ music, life. You know, sort of uh, these creative ideas come mm, each day, but many people sort of take it for granted and don't um, notice them. But if you notice what you notice, if you notice what you notice, and if you uh, notate it, for example, I earlier tried to keep a notebook and notate brief sentences of, of, of ideas that sem- seemed worthy of, of a post or two um, in, in my, in, like a diary, right? Short idea. Uh, but then I thought, oh, maybe it could be a, a small drawing uh, in addition to that, these words also. So that's yes. how I uh, t- started uh, uh, sketching or doodling, right? Uh, basically, that really helps to free up some imagination also and to, to helps to acquire a certain state of mind which is required also to create yes yes, yes I, I agree totally and what i like is that it makes a, for a rich media expression for example we are reading your literary skills through the blog we are seeing the video uh, presentations of your improvisations and then maybe uh, classical pieces that you're playing, either with Ausra or uh, solo. And then we are also seeing the the drawings of Betis and the artwork of Betis. So it's it makes for a rich impact. It's like you can't say that this is one-dimensional. It's many sides of uh, dimension that we get to see maybe some insight into your personality and we are maybe helped also to understand understand concepts you have a very rich way of illustrating concepts and also you bring humor into the picture you know you make us laugh sometimes and you say you know like i think you said one time you even when you're improvising you scare yourself well i think maybe you show us that there is no bounds you know to what the um uh, visual artist is doing as well as maybe the musical artist you know that you're breaking down barriers and then but you're also you're making a safe place for expression and this is like a, it's it's a virtuosity but it's also it's very human we can see you know the, these are the extensions of the personality these are like the uh, the patterns of where you've been and what you've experienced they are, in a sense, almost like the, the various voices of the organ, and they're all being drawn upon. Or in, in the drawings, in the visual art, we are seeing, you know, these are like the textures of your life, the textures of your ideas. And uh, I'm thrilled with what you're doing. And then, like, your latest example, where you're using, like, these literary titles, I, I like this, you know, and then you're doing, like, maybe one or two minutes and uh, I like this because 
you can focus on something and you're not tied down for a very long piece of time. So it's refreshing and it begins to uh, activate the idea that you can do a very imaginative and virtuosic piece in just a short space of time and you can illustrate with your ideas how you um, formulate this music and how you formulate your uh, your blog posts. The, the visual content is very stimulating, Vitas, and um, I, I think that sometimes these are some of the most um, magnificent uh, parts of what you're sharing with everyone because it, I think it takes a, a lot of, um, what should we say, uh, boldness at times, you know, especially when you're blogging and you're doing things that are kind of funny, you know, with the, the different animals that you're doing, you know, and, and uh, sometimes it's like, um, it's a very contemporary feel, but it's like um, almost self-deprecating humor where you can laugh at yourself and you can laugh at life. And uh, I think this makes you an endearing figure. It's like uh, we, we can understand the artist, we can understand the musician, we can understand the writer. But then when you help us to laugh, you're showing us the humanity behind all of these different arts and all of this varied um, part of, of culture. Thank you so much, Glenn. It's so it's so kind, uh, and uh, you know this humor. Sometimes uh, it's it's all it takes really uh, to uh, liven someone else's day, right? And um, yes, I find the the best humor as a as a irony, auto irony, basically. If if I'm in in a in a stressful situation, and if I can uh, like like. Uh, come and see myself from a, a different angle and which makes a little bit of a humor right humorous then this yes. situation is not no longer stressful at all it's 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 part of the human human condition right and um, i was so delighted uh, when we first um, when our paths crossed a few years ago to find out more about you and i visited your blog uh, fanfares and reveries right uh, yes, and yes. I found out you are a blogger too. You are not only <laughs> a blogger, actually. You are uh, you are an artist uh, making making ink drawings and uh, etchings of various sorts, right? And you also are a fantastic improviser on the accordion, right? You are doing all those things that I'm doing on a different medium or sometimes on the same medium, and you also share those ideas to the world so I thought wow such a generous and poetic soul uh, I, I was um, is, um, re really drawn drawn to find out more about you so so uh, for me Glenn the good day is when I notice things and I notate and I draw and I share right all those things yeah. How, what is the good creative day for you well I guess when I actually sit down and do a drawing that I'm pleased with or when I actually take the time to do an improvisation where I feel I have closely come to a proper uh, musical description of what I wanted to share. Sometimes I miss the mark. I know a composer friend of mine told me 
that because the accordion has limited dynamic range, he feels that eight or nine minutes is probably the most you can go. I asked him for his opinion one time when I went maybe 13 minutes, maybe almost 14 minutes, and he gave me a truthful answer, and he told me it's very difficult to ask people to sit that length of time. For pipe organ, it's different. You can listen definitely to an hour or even more and not reach a, um, a kind of um, overload effect. But I, I do agree, you know, and I've learned, and also from your blogs, I've learned, you know, that things have to be more varied in terms of either pace or texture and um, maybe even mood because uh, you, you can't expect your listeners to uh, to be seated there listening to a piece. That, I think you said one time, if your improvisation is over but you continue to play, I recognize, you know, that's true. I have been guilty of that at times. But we learn, don't we? I mean, we learn from our mistakes and then we hopefully we can go on to do better and um, so to answer your, your question it's when I actually either sit down to do a, a drawing that I'm pleased with or when I actually will do an improvisation or when I uh, will play either a classical piece or a folk piece and then be pleased with it I, I'm not always pleased with it in fact I think probably quite a few of my postings should, probably should be deleted but I leave them there so that maybe I can continue to learn from them. And people are, most people are kind. Most people give very nice feedback. There are some uh, difficult people on YouTube and on Google Plus who might leave a critical mark or um, an uncalled for nasty remark, but usually they're in the minority. And most people are very appreciative because maybe they don't play an instrument or maybe they don't have this kind of infatuation with improvisation so I can't um, yeah, I, I can't always um, let's say um, blame people for making a critical comment but I, I appreciate very much the uh, the genuine comments of appreciation they, they seem to stimulate and encourage you and they they help to uh, maybe widen our um, our awareness to realize that we have friends all around the world. Accordionists are very loyal people. There, there's so many very very good people I've met. You know, Argentina, Italy, Europe, and Latin America are, are very strongholds for accordion music. The pipe organ, pipe organ, of course, is very much enthusiastically received around the world. But it is. I think probably going through a somewhat of a difficult time in, in that instruments are expensive to maintain and many congregations are small and don't have the funds to continue to keep an organ in good shape. We had a um, three-manual electronic instrument in our church, but it was given away because no one was playing it. And uh, that's sad, you know. It's sad because the organ adds so much to church service and uh, it's an edifying instrument. I think, you know, you've pointed out in many of your blogs, too, and, and in your videos, that th there are centuries of historical precedents in um, organ playing. And it's an art form that is treasured, uh, not only in Europe, but throughout the world. There's more and more people, I think, that are very much interested in improvisation, even just as a, as a listening audience. Here in Mesa, they have had uh, 
um, what do they call it? It's a um, marathon concert. And that's really nice. You know, where hour after hour, you have all these different organists that come in. It's sponsored by the American Guild of Organists. And you hear such a wide range of music and styles. The, the only disconcerting thing is that the audience is so small. Mm-hmm. You could count, you know, sometimes on two hands, the number of, numbers of people in the audience. I would hope that maybe there would be a change and that there would be more people interested in coming to organ recitals. You're doing a whirlwind job of creating interest, I think, in not only improvisation, but organ, in performance and recitals. And you consistently give encouragement to not only the performers, but for the audience and for those who even have an inkling of a desire to hear this instrument in its proper acoustical setting. So in this sense, you are a great partisan for organ and, and organ music, and even for or, organ audiences and organ appreciation, I don't know anyone who really can fit, fit that category as you do. I used to think like Miss Michelle Chapuis was my favorite, most favorite improviser, but I would have to say that you are my most favorite improviser, and uh, I'm very impressed with what you have done. It's like there is. I've not heard anyone else who can play for an hour and sustain interest in whatever subject matter you are describing. And that's rare. I, there, there are probably between five or ten you know, very well-known, internationally recognized improvisers. Many of them are showcased, for example, on uh, some of the um, international CDs and DVDs, uh, the uh, the one on Cavalle Cole, which was uh, presented by Fugue State Films, it's my, one of my favorite right. CD uh, DVD compilations. But I would have to say, Vitas, you, you have an outstanding collection of performances that uh, thrill and encourage all of us, because you you're describing this language that almost has no limit. And you're doing it consistently well. I've never heard any of your performances which flag or which miss the mark. They all go to the heart. They all stimulate the mind. And uh, in this respect, um, you're one of the rarest organists I have heard that has this ability to do sustained one-hour compositions with um, complete integrity throughout never a loss of focus never a loss of intensity and uh, i admire that greatly thank you so much glenn but you are really too kind you're exaggerating exaggerating my my probably uh, talent uh, and everything but uh, you're right about uh, keeping audiences interest right uh, and attention sustained for one hour it's it's not easy but it can yeah. be done and it can be also done on the accordion uh, as well i can tell you uh, how the the most critical part uh, on any organ improvisation or composition is of course the mental state of the performer yes. 
mental. Yes. You could play spectacular Vidor Toccatas and um, uh, and um, Carleon of Westminster uh, by Vierne, right? And Toccata yes. in D minor by Bach and beautiful choral preludes by Bach, you know, uh, Omensch Bewein and Nuncom and all these things that we love yes. for one yes. hour. But if uh, uh, an organist lacks total focus, you know, attention, uh, and attention span is uh, uh, very limited, like like uh, like a for a chicken, right? <laughs> <laughs> Then w guess what happens? Our audience is also bored, is also yes. feeling uh, neglected, and uh, try to go to sleep, right? And uh, yes, so. It doesn't matter that accordion doesn't have, you know, tremendous amount of um, uh, color possibilities as organ does, right? Uh, it, but it also has some stops, right, on, on the accordion, yes. on the nice yeah. antique accordions that you play. It also does, a few of them at least. So uh, I find myself uh, in a situation uh, whenever I practice it... Um, On my own, for example, in the church, in the same St. John's Church at Vilnius University, I don't practice it um, uh, very uh, loud because the church is uh, very, um, very popular among tourists. And they come yes. and go and guides for these tourists have to speak and guide uh, and point numerous cultural artifacts which which are in this church. And my loud playing would really sometimes interfere with their stories. So what I do, I really improvise for an hour, yes, non-stop music uh, on my own, but on just one single flute. And uh, this is this is my exercise uh, to keep my my own attention without the yes. bells and whistles, you know, uh, uh, you know those showman showmanship additional, which is of course wonderful if you have fanfares and reeds and and temp uh, uh, loud and soft dynamic ranges. But if you can sustain your own interest for an hour with one flute. No one can uh, can say that it's boring. So the yes. same can be done on the accordion, Glenn, too. So you d you don't think 13 or 14 minutes is is ex too extravagant for accordion? The sky is the limit, Glenn. Always, it's always is. Well, that's encouraging to hear you say that because you you have a lot of influence on uh, what I think is achievable. You, you certainly encourage me and you inspire me. But uh, I will tell you this: uh, I'm not a I'm not a guru of any kind, right? I'm not a saint or or a supernatural being which can sustain uh, attention for hours and hours, right? Like like Buddhist monk or or uh, or Lama of some point. No, <laughs> I I'm a regular human being trying to practice this thing for one hour and. Uh, What happens sometimes, yes, I do lose um, some focus, right? But I still continue to play and still continue to push myself to to be in the present moment. And uh, yes. whenever, for example, I play for an hour in, in, in public uh, for a recital... Uh, I, I have a uh, a watch, uh, a timer uh, uh, next to me so that I would know when to finish. 
because if I don't have the timer, I can play for two hours, and that that's a little bit too much, <laughs> because the format is usually one hour. Yes. Uh, so I I try to be gentle with people's um, limits of of uh, yes. of uh, limits of uh, curiosity. You know how far they yes. can can uh, can sit in one place for one hour is good so what I do is sometimes I do uh, 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 look at the watch uh, for a second or two and uh, I find myself that the less I look the better I play yes uh, and in the earliest uh, recitals that you see uh, on YouTube I'll tend to look every 10 minutes you know and how much time <laughs> how much time left oh it's so boring I have to play more more interesting now oh oh 20 minutes left good now now uh, more excitement more more reads okay and uh, today I find that it's possible to to be in one place, in one mood, in one focused attention, um, a mental state, for at least one, one half half an hour, and after half yes. an hour, I usually ta- uh, make a quick glance, and then continue to play afterwards too. So the same yeah. can be said about uh, accordion too. If you are focusing well enough, your organist I will focus too. I, I agree with you, and and sometimes I feel like um, there are moments when I'm inspired, and then there are moments when I'm not inspired. If I'm inspired, I can play for a great length of time, and uh, it seems like interest will not flag uh, as long as that focus can be maintained. But if I drift, I know that I can catch myself, and then maybe I get into areas that are either difficult or they don't make sense. They There is no harmony. There is no flow of one idea to another idea and it does help to have uh, constructive criticism I have a friend who played pipe organ she's a very good uh, instrumentalist, she knows music theory and uh, she told me which one she thought was the best improv and I thought that's very nice when you have a friend who can um, solidify an opinion and help you to understand what is your best work, or what is uh, maybe less than your best work. It's good to hear a truthful assessment. Well, exactly, and the feedback you receive from from uh, listeners around the globe is sometimes really, really helpful. But as you say, sometimes critical comments can really be discouraging you uh, to you, right? So I also yes. sometimes receive uh, criticism that I feel is um, um, not really helpful for my own development and I shut myself off usually uh, f- from those people because uh, let me tell you this short story uh, at one point in a few years ago just uh, when I just uh, was being started starting uh, online I posted uh, a video of myself playing uh, uh, Messian's uh, Ascension Ascension for yes. the organ, you know the uh, the four-part uh, yeah. ascension cycle, and one of the p- in uh, I think on the second part it or the third part uh, the loud and fast part, uh, um, it wasn't very uh, clear playing. A few wrong notes I think was uh, 
present and you could hear that but I still posted it anyway because the organ was very nice and was built by Gene Bidi and my my uh, mentor and friend uh, from Lincoln, Nebraska uh, who is now retired and uh, this organ was at uh, uh, I think United Methodist Church yes, in Lincoln, Nebraska uh, St. Paul's United Methodist Church and basically very French style and very good for that instrument but that person who criticized me uh, and pointed out uh, that if I teach you know, other people how to play the organ without mistakes uh, shouldn't I myself play without mistakes at least, <laughs> at least um, online yeah. And I felt, oh, yes, great, great. Thank you so much for this. Uh, you're very kind. Can you please show me yes. Yes. your work? You know, Can you point me to your videos that I could be uh, inspired by your uh, flawless performances? <laughs> Excellent point, Vitas. And that puts everything into proper perspective. And guess that, what happens? That person what? disappeared. Disappeared. Yes. Because those yeah. critics, they usually are trolls, basically. That, that's what they, uh, they're called. They are anonymous critters, critics. And they, uh, are, they maybe dream sometimes of playing you know, great pieces. Or uh, they imagine they have great uh, insights, right? And uh, the, the great perspective to share. And they understand between good and bad playing i don't doubt it uh, but uh, they themselves usually haven't done the homework yes. right this this is very wise on your part vitas and uh, i i totally agree with what you're saying here sometimes it just takes a a, a kind of um, um forgiving attitude to say you know this person for whatever reason they're deciding to be a critic and uh, as you say they they really are not capable of achieving similar levels of performance and so maybe this is what uh, stimulates their mind or stimulates their personality but it's a destructive thing and uh, you know they are not um, really appreciated for maintaining that type of perspective and Glenn uh, of course you are yourself a great artist uh, uh, like other people who who are sharing the work that's that's the most bra the bravest things uh, thing i ever seen uh, artists do is share because uh, sharing is very underrated and uh, feels kind of vulnerable right you feel uh, sort of uh, 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 giving your best work out out on online for people to make comments and uh, uh, give feedback and sometimes that feedback hurts right but you still are open yes. to that uh, to that feedback if they wanted to give and uh, you don't know which of your works or videos will uh, elicit uh, some kind of feedback or not you still you just share right uh, give it to the world yeah. you ship it ship it and um, uh, as a former postman you know what it means to ship right <laughs> <laughs> yes I'm very right it's, with it's very very important if you don't ship nothing happens right people don't uh, don't receive letters messages uh, g gifts uh, parcels and everything that comes with it you yeah. have to ship I, I i just have to say that what you are saying now is like the crux of the matter that 
all artists, all writers, all musicians, we, we have this desire that we want to communicate something. We want to share something, as you have so graciously said. And there is some fear of rejection, but that must be overcome. Uh, it must be overcome because um, if you never venture outside of your house, you don't learn anything. You, you would be cutting yourself off. You would become like a monk sitting underneath a bridge somewhere. And uh, I like the idea that you say that sharing is um, part of our nature as artists and as musicians, as writers. I think this would extend also to those who act on the stage or those who dance, those who are in any of the arts, that um, initially when you are exposing your art, there is the danger that there will be critics. There is probably every possibility there will be a certain amount. But also what bowls me over at, time, at times is that there are people who are so gentle. There are people who are so loving, so affectionate with their nice comments. Sometimes they can even be maybe too nice or, the, you know, like they can maybe say things that we would say, well, that's almost hyperbole. I'm not that good or I'm not, uh, I'm not a, an expert. I'm not a... Uh, a world-class artist. I, I'm I'm just a functioning artist, but I I think that when you receive the the positive feedback, it can be so engaging, it can be so encouraging, it's inspirational, and it helps us maybe to go on to the next piece, to the next drawing, the next improv, the next um, recital, whatever it is that we're we're planning on, and uh, these people that that are consistently enthusiastic. They are gracious people. I think, in a way, it's like a gift from God that people have, or maybe they themselves do not play such an instrument, or they themselves are maybe not a visual artist, but they like what they see, and they're extremely enthusiastic about it. And at times, we we look at the feedback and we say, you know, I I never realized that I could have such an impact, and so how awful it would be if I had done a preemptive strike and say to myself, oh, I'm not going to share this because I don't think anyone will appreciate it or understand it. Um, this is, uh, these abstract pieces are probably going to be uh, looked down upon or these, these improvisations won't be understood. It's uncanny the number of times I have seen people just go on a, a glowing um, commentary about something that I thought wasn't that good. And it, it helps me to understand that people perceive things differently. And what I th- what maybe what I think is some of my only mediocre work is um, sometimes praised for being something that uh, awakens the audience or that the audience appreciates. And um, I, I find that, that that's both humbling and it's both extremely gratifying because it shows that there is some return for our art. There is some return for your improvs, for your drawings, for your blog posts, and then perhaps also on a smaller scale for what I've been doing. And um, those, those are like written testaments. These are like things that you might say are in the stars or in the, in the hills. And they're there waiting to be discovered and it only takes a person to have the proper heart, the proper mind, the, the proper patience to see and distill those things and bring them to the fore 
so that maybe a worldwide audience would become more aware of these artistic perspectives and insights. You're absolutely right, Glenn, about that, uh, uh, that an artist really have to share, has to share, uh, because otherwise you're just a painter, right? Uh, yes. You're not an artist yet, unless you share. If you keep your best work in the attic somewhere, right, or, or an organist keeps keeps practicing in the practice room at home, for example, and, and no one really hears, no one... Um, interacts with with that art it's not art yet it's yes. not n- not uh, it has to uh, have uh, interaction with uh, another human being at least one in order to become an art in order to make an impact impact on people so but people sometimes fe- have this fear right fear of rejection as you say of, as or yes. of failure what if i give myself entire heart poor my entire heart and uh, other people will make fun of me right you s- they will say yes. oh you don't have talent you don't have technique you don't <laughs> have anything what it takes right and uh, people it's a real fear but you know what? Yes. Uh, at the end of the day, when when uh, when there comes the time for o- all of us to go to another world, right? After our uh, uh, here physical journey is over, I've read I've read an article from uh, from a nurse uh, who takes care of these patients, who uh, takes care of patients in. Uh, about uh, three or six months before they die, they yes. sh- she will uh, interact with them and uh, make their ending uh, basically um, uh, easier. Uh, she interacts with them and asks, uh, uh, what are uh, the biggest regrets people have on their deathbed? Bed? Yes, and yes. Uh, this article is online, actually. And I've read that... Uh, uh, few uh, fears uh, and regrets are such great importance at that point of the journey but uh, one is that I worked too hard that's especially true for for men I uh, worked too hard then number uh, two is uh, is I didn't spend uh, enough time with my friends and family yes yes right I number three is I didn't uh, live uh, live my life the way I want it and instead I live the life that others wanted from me yes you know um, didn't uh, pay attention to my heart basically and there was one more which w- actually was the most prominent that I did I let my songs uh, be unsung wow uh, yeah you know this is the pr- profound statement that Something inside us, all of us probably, we have have to come out, come out before yes. we we yes. die, and if we don't let it to come out at the end of the day, at the end, at the end of the life, we will have this tremendous regret, and we don't we will not have enough time to do that anymore, and um, you know we will have to find out for ourselves, of course, what that think means to us personally what is this song about maybe that's organ music maybe accordion improvisation maybe paintings maybe poetry maybe some kind of um, some kind of 
creative endeavor. I'm not only saying about uh, art in traditional uh, perspective, yes. but could be a business venture to some, something uh, created from your mind, some kind of uh, software or uh, application for for you dying to come out, right? If if you are a computer person. But um, if but if person is so afraid of rejection and failure that uh, he or she will shut shut uh, shut the doors and and uh, the curtains and and any feedback uh, from the world and will not ship ship it will not share it then at the end of the life and uh, at the end of the day that will be yes. the biggest regret of their lives to have their songs unsung. I agree with you. You've eloquently stated that, Vitas. You you have really underscored this idea that uh, we should not come to the end of our lives grieving over the fact that we never let out that feeling of sharing or that idea of sharing. That would be tragic. So sometimes it's maybe later in our life that we gain a little bit more boldness mm -hmm. or we are not so afraid. I remember at one time I was deathly afraid of public speaking and I would refuse to get up in front of any audience. Five people, six people, a hundred people, I would not do it. And then something changed in my heart and I actually began to, uh, it was probably related to church and Sunday school and missions um, I began to um, actually uh, be enthusiastic about getting in front of people and sharing some ideas or reading scripture or uh, introducing a song on the uh, accordion or um, playing with the children in Sunday school. And it changed everything because it seemed like the one thing that I was most afraid of is now one of the things that I most enjoy. And I wonder if that isn't true also for music and art. That some people say, well, I can't draw and I can't paint. I encourage people, try something. If you have an idea, see if you can illustrate that idea. And the same with, with music. I mean, you don't have to be a genius. You don't have to be uh, the world's greatest improviser. You can just set some patterns down on an instrument. And it can be very simple. And yet you, you have, at the end of the day, you have expressed yourself. And you have, I think, also you have made the world a better place mm -hmm. because you never know who will see that or witness that and find it encouraging, will find it uh, stimulating, will find it uplifting. We live in a world where we need the uplifting of our spirit. And I think that musicians and artists have a calling to do that. There is no greater calling to my mind than to continue um, producing uh, art and producing music and doing it also with with a humble attitude with a very um, with a very quiet heart mm -hmm. simply saying this is the music that God has given me this is the artwork that God has given me and I want to share it with as many people before I pass away well um, Glenn um, it's really hard to put better into words what you have des described and uh, people around the world I get I had I think will get this message this inspiration from our conversation so much that at least they will try not to be as uh, terrified you know as you say of public speaker speaking or or painting or drawing or reading poetry or or making uh, making any kind of artistic uh, ideas 
and letting them out right and uh, in organ terms uh, for organ organ music right improvisations all these things that we love so glenn of course we could really s- uh, talk for hours but of course your time is limited and i'm so uh, i'm 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 very positive we will meet again and talk about other ideas in the future but uh, for the closing part of our conversation can you give our listening listeners uh, a link where they can find uh, you and your wonderful drawings, posts, articles, and uh, improvisational videos and other pieces of art that you make online? Yes, thank you for this opportunity, Vitas. My website and blog is at www.fanfaresandreveries.com. Those are all lowercase. And there is a link there at the website to go to my YouTube channel, which is from Holberg's Time. Um, I'm also on Twitter, uh, Glenn R. Tompkins, at Mesa Artist. And I'm um, also on Facebook. And uh, in fact, that's maybe how I have contacted you a lot through Facebook. Mm-hmm. So um, I appreciate the online community and, and social media. It's a way for us to get our ideas across and to increase our audience, I think, in many respects, and to share ideas as, as you're doing now. You're very generous to give so many of us this opportunity to share ideas. Uh, I really appreciate you, Vitas. If I ever have the opportunity, I would love to fly to Lithuania and see you in person. If you ever come to the United States, it would be great if you could visit Arizona. There are some unique places here that I think probably would generate some Vitas improvisations on the 64-stop organ at St. John's Church. Uh, fantastic, uh, Glenn. Uh, I'm, I have a feeling that we'll meet again. And um, before we really close our conversation now for real, uh, my closing question to you is this. What is number one thing you wish you knew? before you had started your creative journey when you were young, for example, uh, in your early days, what is the most important thing that would have helped you that you know now? Can you share that? This is a very good question, Vitas. You are a musical genius to ask this question. I, I think it would have to be I never realized the power, the joy, and the satisfaction of doing my own music. I had lessons when I was a young man, and uh, I think it was probably 1959 through 1962, and then I dropped the instrument from 65 to 2000. 35 years I didn't play. And, And then I didn't start actually improvising until 2009. What is that, six or seven years ago? It would have been so enlightening in the 1950s if I realized that I could improvise. <laughs> Maybe it never occurred to me, you know. I thought, well, that's for the great artists and, uh, you know, the, the great intellects. But now I realize it's, it's a language that's so personal, I don't see why everyone doesn't improvise if not on an instrument, maybe with art or dancing or on the stage, mm-hmm. acting and so on or even blogging. I don't think there's anything wrong with improvisation. In fact, I, th- I would actually say, I hope it's not overstating it, 
but I would say it's one of the hang one of the highest language arts that I have been able to uh, express myself in. I've I've never seen another language that can compare with it. I used to love poetry, and I still do. I used to love the visual arts, and I still do. But when it comes to direct, deepest communication, I always feel like it's a celestial experience to spend 10, 20, 30 minutes improvising something that that occurs to me that would be worth sharing. And to me, that's a revelation, Vitas, because, as I say, I never even concerned myself with improvisation. I thought it was for others. So you can imagine 40, 50, what, 60 years of um, possibilities. But then maybe this is what I have now since 2009, which is good enough. Mm-hmm. And, you know, to know you, for example, to share with you, to, to know some, you know, uh, Jan Carmen. Stephen Monrotis, um, Sietz de Vries, the kinds of people that you have been sponsoring the podcasts and that you regularly associate with, Ausra, her wonderful uh, duets with you and then the conversations she has when you post these. I'm still learning, so I'm still like the student. Let's see, in 1959, I was 12 years old. And maybe in certain respect, I'm still 12 years old. I'm still learning, you know, still gravitating towards a greater understanding. And maybe that's the way it should be, that we're always in the process of learning. As you just said, process uh, uh, or perfection is a process. And you said you'd like that. Somebody on one of your blogs put that as a comment. I agree. That's nice. Uh, We are in the process of being perfected. So maybe we never really achieve perfect perfection. But maybe that's the way that the Lord God has set things up, that we are striving to do our best and that we realize, you know, we have limitations, but still we communicate with one another, we inspire one another, we educate one another. And for these kinds of things, I could never really repay you. Um, you know, I might, you know, I don't even know if I should say this, but I have thought of dedicating a piece to you, um, either in art or in music. But you have to imagine it's intimidating for a relatively unknown guy like me to uh, dedicate a piece to uh, you know a world class organist, um, I think it's a possibility, and I, I would say it comes genuinely from my heart. But you have to realize that um, I I, uh, I tremble when I think you know you might not like it or it might not be suitable. I I, I think it's just something that occurs to me. That's all. It's an idea. Of course, uh, Glenn. Uh what you're saying you have to realize that it's intimidating to me to hear such praises for for the work i do for one hour or more (laughs) so please uh, please be more critical of my work too because i i'm sure you have some ideas that you don't you're not telling me that could be improved for example something that you would like to hear more of or you, what you don't understand or something um i'm i'm, I'm very very uh, open for r- real genuine generous criticism so uh, that's from that perspective but thank you so much uh, at any rate for being so uh, um honest and uh, and inspiring and encouraging for people 
from all walks of life and basically all generations if you are 12 years old or 72 years old it doesn't matter uh, as long as you're alive uh, you as long as you're breathing you still can create something let it out right and uh, and that's the most important thing i guess you're a very gracious man and uh, i am honored to enjoy your friendship vitas you, you're you're very kind, and uh, I, I just I really appreciate this opportunity to share with you. you. You have helped to clear the air of a lot of ideas, and um, in this sense, you, you're a very valuable friend. You're a very valuable artist, very valuable musician. But likewise, Glenn, you're so uh, so tremendously inspiring and valuable to me, to my work also, because from this conversation, I will get 20 blog post ideas at least, <laughs> right? And I'm sure you will get uh, a few of them yourself. And uh, I think people around the world will be dying to get to your fanfares and reveries.com website and blog and to to listen and to hear and to enjoy your writings and artwork and uh, improvisation for themselves and I encourage them to do that right now Vitas, thank you for your thoughtfulness and your generosity I will always hold you in high regard and um, you know, if possible one day if we could meet that would be tremendous it would be like a lifelong ambition and uh, I don't know what else to, to add to the conversation, it's just this has been a great highlight to be able to do this, I, I actually thought I would never have the opportunity to speak to you one-on-one -on -one with your busy schedule and your touring and your concerts and recitals. So this shows me the type of man you are. See, in the same way that your father reached so many through uh, visual art, you are, through conversation, writing blogs, um, artwork, and musical videos, you are reaching people and you're making a difference in the world. You, if you touched me, you have touched thousands. And uh, I, I, can, I can only say that this is uh, work that is held in the highest regard. Um, I, I'm, I'm very pleased and I'm very honored, believe me, very honored to spend time with you like this. It just it shows your character. And of course, Glenn, you touched me. And if you touched me, you touched thousands as well. So we're even, right? Uh, <laughs> great. So have a tremendous creative year ahead of you. And stay brave and healthy. Thank you so much. Thank you, Vitas. If you liked this conversation, I encourage you to visit my blog, Secrets of Organ Playing, at organduo.lt where you will find lots of insights, practical advice, and training for every area of organ playing. You can subscribe to this blog for free to get your daily dose of inspiration and to be the first to know when any of my future podcasts roll out. I hope to help you reach your dreams in organ playing. I'm Vidas Pinkavitus. Thanks for listening, and I'll catch you online really soon.